0: And I have spent a lot of time over the years really examining Link's personality because on at a glance it seems like he's just a blank slate protagonist, but he isn't. He has a personality of an extremely well-developed one.
1: I'm not sure I've met anyone who loves and understands The Legend of Zelda series better than Rebecca Tripp. She's a prolific composer and remixer who's recently decided to turn her talents towards a new medium audio dramas. With her new project Lamp of Destiny well underway, we decided now would be a great time to catch up with Rebecca and learn about how and why she tells her stories. This is Brian, and thanks for joining us for an evening at the Roost.
0: Destiny is a Legend of Zelda-inspired audio drama, and it loosely follows the plot of various Zelda games. It's kind of like my dream Zelda game that was never made. I Don't get me wrong, I love the new Zeldas, I love Skyward Sword, I love Breath of the Wild, but I really wanted to experience an older Zelda game again, with some of the newer bits of lore kind of reworked in. And I had this vision in my mind of this version of the story that kind of combined some of the older elements and some of the newer ones. And, and at some point, I became aware of this... Well, I, I guess I, I hadn't thought about audio drama until a couple of years ago, and then I realized I could totally do that. I know a bunch of voice actors, you guys were doing stuff like this, and that actually partly is what inspired me. And. uh I also had all this music that I wanted to do something with, and I realized this was a good way to, to use it.
1: You mentioned that you felt older Zelda games were kind of different from newer ones. Like, what what were the differences that you were trying to capture with this?
0: Some of the other games, like Link to the Past, is probably the um, pinnacle of an example. They had a fairy tale mm-hmm. quality. It's it's still there, but it's, it, it doesn't quite feel the same anymore. It's been sort of replaced. And I don't mind that. I like the new version just as much. Like, the newer Zelda's, they, they're much more Asian-inspired, more of sort of like a Shinto feeling. I love that. Uh, the older ones felt more like European myth, you know. It's it very clearly uh, Robin Hood, King Arthur, and Peter Ken, and all those stories I grew up with. And while they're still there, it... Because the series has been going on so long, it's slowly been evolving into something else.
2: Do you think that a lot of that feeling was about the sort of the structure of a fairy tale and how well that meshes with a video game? You know, find the four sages, break the seven seals, and a lot of the ritual that goes along with those stories very neatly fits into the objectives of a game.
0: Yes, but that part of it hasn't been lost at all. If anything, that part has sort of been verified. I-, I think it's more if anything, Zelda has found its identity over the ages, and some of that is is, is sort of for better or worse because it, it's originally it was much more of a pastiche of different fantasy tropes, kinda like Final Fantasy is. Uh now it's very much its own thing. It's been sitting in its own glory for so long.
1: You could pretty much make an entire Zelda game out of existing Zelda tropes at this point. Like, it has so many of its own story points and its own characters and exactly. its own, like, of course, a Zelda
2: game is going to do this and, and
1: this. And by the time you're done with everything a Zelda game would do, you
2: kind of have a full game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's something that reading the script and hearing the episodes for Lampo Destiny, which, by the way, is still in progress. Um, mm mm-hmm. I'm always like, I can't place my finger on it, but this is a very Zelda-ish thing to be happening. Like, I don't... Did this happen before? Or it it was my imagination filling in the gaps right now. It's a really uncanny feeling.
0: That's what I wanted. I wanted it to feel like a platonic Zelda. So uh, every, every event, every character, every object has a kind of archetypal quality. Like, it's just one of the many ways that the kaleidoscope could have churned. Does that make
1: sense? Absolutely, and yeah, Stephen nailed it. When I'm reading it, I'm like, when I'm reading the scripts, I feel like I am reading just what completely could have been a Zelda game, but just isn't. Is, it, is it just mm, the its lost, own. Thing, forgotten exactly. Zelda. It's game. like was this on the
2: Game Boy or something? I just it was one of those I didn't play. <laughs> or... It's like that day when Miyamoto was wandering in the garden, <laughs> he went to the lost woods, he got lost. <laughs> the script is gone to the ages, and so, I stages. think that'd be fun to jump into. Is Rebecca, what
1: is your history with Legend of Zelda? Like you've you've been a fan for quite a while, right?
2: Nah, she doesn't really like it <laughs> very much.
0: <laughs> um, I started with Links of the Past and Links Awakening pretty much in tandem, so I was a nineties kid. I guess you guys were too. Sorry. Same. Um, yep. And um, at the time when I was little, our parents were always uh, giving us mythology and fairy tales as bedtime stories, and
3: uh, mm-hmm.
0: I, I already mentioned Peter Pan, Robin Hood, and King Rufford were three of the ones that my brother and I were really into, and we spent a lot of time in the forest pretending to be those characters, and <laughs> we, we were raised with all the stories of, like, Celtic myth and the Fairy Queen and all these ideas, and, and then my brother one day brings home Link to the Past, and all these things are in it. Mm-hmm. And I just—it was instant love. I—I I became obsessed with that game overnight. I never ever wanted to stop. It was just too good, too stimulating. It's like I was entering the realm of myth, right. which is, I guess, what I wanted.
2: I'm—I'm I'm trying to recall our own childhood. Um, where—where where do you think the Legend of Zelda fit into our? Because we have a, a pretty deep appreciation of, of myth and, and sort of arch, archetype. But I feel like our introduction to that was through Star Wars. Yeah. Which was before we played Zelda. It took us a while to warm to The Legend of Zelda. I think Wind Waker was the first one we really appreciated fully. Mm -hmm. And that's
1: because it was a little lighter. It was a little more like the kind of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) Nintendo
2: stuff. We
1: we, we weren't huge into like more, I don't know, what you darker or more mythic fantasy like Ocarina of Time and that sort of thing until Mm -hmm. later. but yeah, that, that idea of it basically being the fairy... Legend of Zelda very much does feel to me like the fairy tale of games. Like, if there is yeah. a fairy tale series, a continuing archetypical canon in video games, it's hard to... Re- I, I could say Final Fantasy, except it like completely changes what it is every game, so I can't quite keep track of it. <laughs> but...
2: <laughs> when you, I mean, the Legend of Zelda literally mythologizes hardware <laughs> like <laughs> in ocarina of time you get the rumble pack or also known as the stone of agony <laughs> right and the sheikah slate um and yeah you're right <laughs> which is basically a switch yeah.
0: um it's, it's a version of immersion for sure i didn't mean to rhyme there um, <laughs> <that's> good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good i think a good song version of immersion
1: yep. i like that yeah
0: and um, the the uh i have breath of the wild on the wii u and uh, I guess the Switch is kind of like that, too, actually. It's, it's a tablet. it's mm-hmm. the tablet for your tablet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to think, like, do you think there's something special about Zelda in particular that captures a tone that, like, isn't really in other games? Or do you think there's a lot of other stuff like Legend of Zelda? Uh,
0: Yes, and yes. <laughs> but, <Okay. laughs> uh, I, I think that Legend of Zelda is... Top tier of top tier of top tier representation of the hero myth. I haven't seen anything yeah. that does better. I, I've mm-hmm. seen things that do as good, though. So, yeah. But not many. I, <laughs> so that, that's the thing.
2: Kind of like I briefly mentioned before, at least to me, one reason that fits so well is because Nintendo, is a, as a um, designer, designs through um, through gameplay ideas first. As Mm -hmm. Brian and I, uh, you know, we we often talk about their philosophy and it's usually design first, aesthetic later. And I feel like when it comes to a fairy tale, the design and the aesthetic go hand in hand. And Nintendo never shies away from that. And they are able to tap it as something very powerful. It's all about balance. All
0: about balance. Miyamoto used to give lectures to his employees about the importance of balance and proportion, and he would give metaphorical examples of different art forms, and and if he felt that the balance wasn't respected, he would get very angry and make them start over. (laughs) So he cared. He still cares so much about it, and I think it really shows that there isn't one Zelda game that lacks this balance. Uh, Some other... Long-standing franchises have sort of migrated away from it, but but at the heart of the Zelda series is this sense of portion and pacing and essence. Every little bit of space feels meaningful, and every object feels like it belongs in the world. But there, there are some, especially in the newer games, there are some examples of times where it does deviate. Mm -hmm. There are characters that have total. Tonal dissonance with the rest of it Mm. that annoys me to be honest but for the most part everything feels like it belongs in the fabric of the world it's in
2: yeah that's extremely well put i think balance is something that we often look for in games and we didn't know we were looking for it until recently when we really started to decide to sort of dissect the games we like so much yes and it's amazing to me that
1: like so many zelda games have come out at this point but they don't it doesn't feel like they're being sloppily put together or that they're redundant.
2: Like each one feels special in some way. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Each one has a a vision and a reason to exist, Um, which makes me want to ask Rebecca, when you're making a lamp of destiny, how do you strike the balance in in a completely different medium?
0: Oh, I have to think about that because it's such an automatic thing for me. Uh, I'm already a writer. So that probably helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, of course the, the music thing so like aud- audio is my primary uh medium. So I, I mm. I've spent a lot of time I've had a lot of practice arranging sounds in a way that feels like it has an arc. Like we talked about the medleys yeah. before and it's, it's not actually that different. There there is a sense of a journey with
3: music. That's true.
0: So so that helps um but then the experience with writing, just just thinking about it in terms of um, imagining it as though it's a song, how it would play out, how each section would lead into the next. The same thing is done with the gameplay in the Zelda games. It's I, I think you guys understand, because we're all creative types here, yeah.
3: mm-hmm.
0: every art form is like the others. Yes. That sense of flow, it, it, whether it's a painting or it doesn't matter, if you can experience this flow if you if you can sense this flow. Um that that's how you make it work.
1: Yep. The pacing, the tension and the release, the uh beginning, middle and end, all those things that like you said, often you're we've been so conditioned by all the stories we, we've read and that we've we've absorbed that we're actually putting all of those things into our stories without realizing it often. Um mm-hmm. so
3: Definitely. Yeah.
1: I so what did you uh did you find like working on an audio drama did it feel very different to you from other writing you've done or was it pretty pretty similar?
0: I was surprised by how similar it was. Yeah. It, it was just Oh, okay, it's more of the same of everything else I yep. do. <laughs> <You know>?
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess it, you guys relate to that, right? Like when you try a new art yep. form you it's it's like you're you can get a sunflower and a rose and a cherry blossom, and then at some level you realize they're all flowers. You can feel the floweriness of it. Yep. They look nothing alike.
1: But one of the things that yeah. is a departure from the rest of Zelda in Lamp of Destiny, well, the rest of, the, the rest of Zelda that Polite Company talks about, is that Link is uh, <laughs> is fully voice acted. Link.
3: Oh, boy!
1: <laughs> Which, uh, and, and yeah, I'm yeah. sure for many people it's like, well, I'm never going to listen to that now. No, just not going down that road. But, I mean... First off, I just have to say, the voice actor you found for Link is phenomenal.
0: Beyond <laughs>
1: perfect. <Yes. laughs>
0: like, yeah. it, I think he's just actually Link It's part insane. Of
1: like, anyone, go, yeah, I'm go pause sure, this and yeah. go listen to one of the of Destiny episodes. It is, it, because that, to me, <laughs> that, just that's Link. the canon Link voice. Like, he should start with Charles Martinet, yeah. <laughs> sign up at Nintendo, and be like, all right, guys, <laughs> I can be the Link voice now. <laughs> and he's still young he could do yeah. this for
2: years and years um, but
1: like was that at all a stumbling block for you when you started this being like how in the world am i going to find a voice for link and is that just a not a good idea
0: you know i i thought about it a lot because obviously yeah link wouldn't be a talkative guy even if it was real life because obviously if it was real life he would talk like everybody but he he would still be a quiet type right and i i spent a lot of time over the years Really examining Link's personality because, on at a glance, it seems like he's just a blank slate protagonist, mm-hmm. but he isn't. He has a personality of an extremely well developed one, and I've uh, I actually talk about that a bit in my uh, psychology and philosophy videos about the Zelda series.
3: Yeah, and it, remember that?
0: It's all about teasing that personality out. So, so with, with all the characters, I I did a lot of kind of workshopping. Um, what would be natural for them to say and what, what would not. And For Link, yeah, he talks a lot in the series because he sort of has to, mm-hmm. to. Otherwise, you don't know what's going on. But I tried to balance it out, first of all, by always having people with him. Yes. So, the lamp mechanic itself, the main mechanic of the game, so to speak, is vocal. It's noise, right? So there's always people talking to him through that, and then he usually has sidekicks. He'll continue to have psychic, so that helps. But every time he talks, it's almost always because he's out of his depth. Like, it, I, I want to kind of get the impression that he he wouldn't normally be so talkative, but all the things that are happening to him are just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. So it's forcing him he's out very of his out shell. Of his depth. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's thinking back to like, it is easy to to assume that Link is the blank slate character model that you you know you put yourself into and to an extent that's true but then when i think back would link do this would link not do that i have some opinions about that you know like you you even if it's in your in your own head he starts he sort of develops his own personality and uh, i feel like link in lamp of destiny is just embodying all of the links. He's not any one particular link. He's just sort of is another one in the lineage.
0: That's exactly what I want. I want him to feel like a kind of uh synthesis that he's got some Links of the Past, he's got some Ocarina of Time, Majora, he's got some Twilight Princess, some Skyward Sword, some Waker, etc. And they all feel true and they all feel untrue.
1: Yeah. And the real question about Link's personality, would or would he not hit a chicken with a sword? Um <laughs>
2: Not on purpose. I think it's it's accidental most of the time. I
1: was
0: gonna say that.
3: All
1: yeah.
2: Right.
0: But w- w- we are uh, we're softies in this
2: in this version, <laughs> Yeah, no, I
1: yeah. I agree with that. However, he would absolutely purposefully destroy pots. That's <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's gotta let off the steam somehow.
1: <laughs> exactly. He needs that you need the balance. You need that balance. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... Yeah, well, I just, man, can't say enough about that Link voice actor, though. That, like was that, one of, was that the first voice actor you got, or did he come later?
0: Actually, he was. That's the funny thing. I, I did hear a couple auditions before his, but he was the first person to express interest. And
2: That must wow. have given you a huge confidence boost for the project in general. Like, I oh, know yeah. that when I'm working on audio dramas and I get the first actor or two in, and they're really good, there's this feeling of, okay, this is going to work. We can do this. Yeah. People like this exist.
0: Oh, there's some great actors coming. You haven't heard yet, too. The, the guy mm. who does the Goron voices.
2: Nice. Like, oh, I've been looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. the well, next episode, you'll, you'll finally get to hear him.
2: Cool. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I did a voice, too. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I got Ghost. to be one of three ghosts.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I guess we should set up where it is right now. We, we just, the fourth episode was just released. And that was a link going to the forest temple, which is basically the first dungeon. And I actually don't know how many episodes are there going to be total.
0: I don't know the exact number because as I'm writing them, sometimes inspiration will hit, and I'll add more than I intend to, and it will go on longer. Right. But I'm aiming for uh, something between sixteen and twenty.
1: Gotcha. Oh my god. So this is this is quite a an undertaking. <laughs> It's yeah. a huge project.
0: I'll keep working on it as long as people are willing to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: long- I know that feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, until Nintendo snatches up the uh, Link voice actor and makes him sign a contract, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, Yeah, you're good yeah. to go.
2: It's bound to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, so speaking of the workload, though, a lot of that for you is making the music because you compose... It's a mostly original soundtrack, right?
0: About, um, If we exclude the credits, which are very long musical segments, right, it, then, and those weren't done by me anyway, but uh, probably about 50% of the music is original, and 50% is either indirectly a reference to songs from the game or just sort of a cover of songs right. from the games. Right. And uh, the boss battles are all going to be from the series, and each one will be a different guest composer.
2: Oh, that's cool. Oh, cool. Wait, who did the Forest Temple? Uh, That was
0: uh, the Noble Demon.
2: Oh, Yeah. Wow. yeah. Or I, I listened to it and I thought maybe it was Sam Diller because it had it somewhere. Oh yeah. Viable.
0: Well he, he did the credits. He did he does all the credits for us.
2: Nice. Oh yeah. Sam's amazing.
0: He is, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, the boss
1: music was was awesome as well. So obviously mm-hmm. this is not your first rodeo with composing Zelda music. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but we already asked what makes Zelda special as a series. What do you think makes Zelda music special? It's
0: um it has a very unique way of making the listener feel safe and grounded while simultaneously immersing the listener in a sense of mystery and even danger. It, it, it's in that sweet spot. Again, the realm of myth. Neither yeah. safe nor dangerous. Neither at home nor abroad. Uh, every single theme feels like it belongs within your own heart.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's really well put. And actually, um, that contextualizes what I already thought about Zelda music. But now that you say that, I'm like, oh, that does make a lot yeah. of sense. Because it's not boring. It's, it's never boring, but it doesn't just feel like it's out there being, I don't know, unnecessarily avant-garde and challenging to listen to. It's, yeah. It somehow is constantly inviting you along with just the right amount of surprise. And Steve and I interrupted you.
2: Uh, that's okay. I was just gonna say there's no way I could have articulated that, but I do agree with it. Um, and as you bounce around through Zelda history, some games will feel more safe and familiar, and mm-hmm. other games will feel more alien and strange, but they all come from that same thread, I guess.
0: So, here, here's something I like to say about the Zelda series, but this relates to the music. The games give the player the Triforce of Courage. He is the link mm-hmm. to the player. And... The music is part of that. So even take Twilight Princess. Imagine the music when the twilight descends. you have an eerie. Doo, 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 you know, mm-hmm. it's creepy. Everything about the twilight is creepy. If it happened in real life, everyone would be beyond terrified. You know, there'd be mass mm-hmm. panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, but in the game, it's exciting. You want to do it. You know, and and the dungeons are like that. Like you want to go into the shadow temple. I mean, that's really that place is no different from somewhere in Dark Souls or Silent Hill or something like that, but the way that everything is framed is designed to make you feel courage and bravery.
1: Right. The games are, well, set up to make you want to go on the hero's journey.
0: Want to rise to the occasion.
2: Yeah. And that's something that's reflected in almost all iterations of Link as a character Mm -hmm. where he has that determined face and he's all whenever someone's like are you ready link he hesitates and he grabs a sword and then you're like okay we're gonna run in there yeah <laughs> this is gonna be scary and great <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah now this is just a random tangent but have you ever thought
1: about what a zelda game would look like if they were trying to build it based on one of the other triforces like if they tried to make a game where you played a zelda about wisdom like what that would look like.
0: I've thought about this a lot. (laughs) I'm guessing you guys have to. (laughs) Uh, Zelda game, like, where you're actually Zelda, wisdom-based, I always kind of picture, her challenge would be it would focus more on the internal, to a degree. So, Mm -hmm. um, there would still be, I mean, Link has to balance all three of the cardinal virtues. So would anyone who's born with the other track horse pieces, but it would be framed differently. So okay. there there would still be adventure, there'd still be danger, Um, but I think a lot of it would be more puzzle-focused, for example, or uh, maybe there'd be more magic, more dialogue, more story, that kind of thing.
2: Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the train of thought I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Uh, whereas if you were somebody with the power piece, perhaps it would be a little more... Um, spartan, you know, it it would be harsher, it would be mm-hmm. less dialogue, it would be much more physical.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would love to see Nintendo try something like that, but it would be, it would change everything from the ground up, for sure.
2: I, I'm thinking about Link's adventures, and there's combat, and there are towns where you meet lots of fun, interesting people, but to me, the core of the game is venturing into dungeons, you and know? that's courage right yeah. so yeah i, mean, I that's feel something like
1: that i loved that idea of adventure and you know going out into the unknown it's something that i loved so much personally about breath of the wild is how much it took like that idea of um exploration and going somewhere that's unknown and just figuring out what's there on a literally blank map and it captured that in a way that i feel like tons and tons of games try to capture but very few succeed at and I've just, Breath of the
2: Wild, I wow, just never get tired of that feeling
1: that it's able to capture.
2: Absolutely. It's the, it's the childhood feeling of adventure that we felt just a little bit when playing Wind Waker. Yeah. <laughs> but they made a whole game about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I relate Absolutely.
0: to that, actually. Wind Waker is perhaps the, uh, the paragon of childhood adventure. Like, it, it's a child's mm-hmm. idea of adventure. You, you can feel mm-hmm. that in the bones of the story and the gameplay.
1: Absolutely. So, with the music, were you trying to do the same thing you did with Link and try to kind of create a soundtrack that is like every Zelda soundtrack, or were you pulling from particular Zelda games?
0: Uh, it was more the former. Yeah. There were parts where I added deliberate references because I felt like it would just fit. I what? Right. I think a lot of uh, I I don't mean to discredit or insult anybody, but I think a, a lot of fan fiction creators fail. Mm-hmm. When they arbitrarily make references, <laughs> they'll just add yes. in a song where it. it makes no sense for that song to be there, like the Hobbit movies, um, yeah, where, where they use the Ringwraith theme to represent the White Orc.
3: Right. It, That's, it was just yes, right. it was like no yeah. no
0: sense of yeah. connection to what the light motif was about. Right? Um, so in this, for example, I have themes that are from other games. But they're either generic, or they're ones that are in multiple games, where there's kind of a cross connection that that is enhanced, or if it's right. a deliberate reference, it's it's like very clearly fanservice-y. So, for example, yeah. uh, when, that scene where they're in Hyrule Castle in the flashback, I used the Minish Cap version of the Hyrule Castle theme um, mm-hmm. because it didn't matter which version I used, mm-hmm. right?
2: Is yeah. this the first time you've ever tried to write original music in the Zelda world?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, so I probably had some of the music before uh, I thought of the story, actually. <laughs> like a couple of oh, Dungeon okay. songs I'd written over 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: This has been a long time in the making. <laughs> I guess so, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's great. I've got great.
0: Um, original Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest music as well.
2: Nice. Is there a Lamp of Destiny theme, or is it just disparate music for different locations and stuff?
0: Actually, there are a few light motifs that have come back a few times. Uh, people, yeah. people haven't commented on it, but I'm sure people have noticed here and there. That and that they'll yeah. continue yeah. to come back, and it will become more and more apparent. So there's one that goes... That's probably the main hook of the series. Interesting. And um, when
2: you're when you're finished with the whole series, are you gonna make like a suite of the all of the original music and finish off with like an orchestral rendering of the main theme?
0: Um, actually, I am already working on that. Uh, I have
2: <laughs> okay, thank goodness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have a Bandcamp <laughs> page where anyone can download the tracks on their own or all the ones at once that I have so far. It, it's free. Yes. Uh, but if they wanna of donation they can. Um, uh, it's not finished, obviously, and, and, but I want to say the overworld theme is sort of like what you're describing. It's no orchestral rendering of the... at least two of the main light motifs. Kind of like Twilight Princess, the so different sections of the overworld were different light motifs.
1: So did you, like, this being your first audio drama, have you learned a lot or changed a lot of what you thought it changed a lot of your plans based on the work you did, or is it pretty much what you expected so far?
0: I, I didn't go in with any expectations, but I... Uh, Smart. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know, I didn't Didn't really even think about it. This whole thing has been so fun and just in in hyper-creative mode <laughs> that yep. I haven't really put much thought into the strategy. Uh, yeah,
2: nice. it, it seems like a very natural extension of what you were already doing.
0: I guess so. I think a lot of what I've learned is, is more on the social side of things, about like how to hmm. get people motivated and get them to send me their files more quickly.
2: Yeah. That kind of thing. We had a crash course <laughs> in all that stuff oh, when man. we did our first <laughs> full audio drama. Um,
1: Especially yeah. in all volunteer projects, yeah. like... Mm-hmm. You don't want to just give people force people into strict deadlines when they're being kind enough to volunteer their time and talent, yeah. but also if they don't notice and they haven't sent a file in two weeks and that one file is holding the whole thing up, it's a different kind of problem
0: yeah and uh, that's happened a few times, so honestly uh i i and one of the most important things is just setting realistic expectations and limits and mm-hmm. i I said to myself, I'll do every two months. And that has been the sweet spot. It's short Mm -hmm. enough that they don't completely forget about you, but it's long enough so that, um, like I usually I'll tell people, can you get this to me by the end of two weeks from now? And and then it'll end up being two months and it's like the perfect amount of time.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I'm,
0: I'm really, really, really grateful for the people I work with because they've all been so positive and so helpful and so talented. There's obviously you two, um, I, we should talk about that at some point. Your experience with this. Oh
3: yeah, you're right. Yeah.
0: And uh, all the actors, so especially Brooks. Though nobody is more enthusiastic about it than him, I know. I think.
3: Yeah. And yeah. He
0: just. I, I saw recently his his Twitter bio mentions it, and I was so touched. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Also Amber, the artist too, who does the pictures. Yeah. Um. She has a lot on her plate. So it's very hard for her to get them out on time. But mm-hmm. she, and I, I keep uh, trying to make it easier for her. Saying, like, don't push yourself. You don't have to do anything complex. And yeah, then she just makes something complex
2: anyway. And <laughs> it always looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's working with a visual artist for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, her art is really fantastic. So yeah, now I can turn the interviewing lens on you, Stephen. How did you enjoy working as an audio editor on Lampu Destiny?
2: Uh is the second part of the audio interview all going to be about B? Is that why I'm here? <laughs> Am I part two? <laughs> 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 so, um uh Rebecca, you sent me the episode 4 of the script with that enters the forest temple months ago, and I really responded to it, especially certain scenes um as they, as Link and his companion were walking through the forest, because, um, it reminded me of some audio work I had done, um, for like a sort of, uh, stormy haunted island. Um, and I, I had so become so enamored with the, um, with the soundscape of rustling bushes and babbling creeks and wind through the trees that I, I, I read that script and I'm like, I can already hear this coming alive. If you, if if you ever need someone to edit the scene you should look me up and then you looked me up <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, it's um, it's just 100% up my alley. Like it's just the kind of audio work that I enjoy doing. Um, It's also one of the most challenging things I've ever edited before. So it was a <laughs> pretty uh awesome experience for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny because the script is actually split into its own acts. So we were kind of splitting up the work yeah. that way. And Steven, you did most of it and you're like, Okay, I've been working on this like all week. Brian, all
3: can week, you do this one week? Now
2: that's not that's all not fair. Like it was more like long three weeks? weeks. Okay. I'm I very had only heard <laughs> the most recent week where you were finishing I've, I've
3: it
2: up. <laughs> um
1: and, and you were like, Can you just do this one scene? i are like, All right, which one? And it was the boss battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I looked at it and I'm like, all right, this is like how many pages I can do this. And it was an amazing crash course because I hadn't done this much intensive editing in a while. And th- I'm used to like when Steven and I write a script, we love to write like tons and tons and tons of character dialogue. And so mm-hmm. there could just be like, you know, a-, a whole scene might have someone like putting down a coffee cup and otherwise sitting there talking. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, at this and I'm like two sentences go by and like seven different things happen um and there's this this bit in it where link is just like getting completely flustered with everything being like how am i supposed to do all of this princess i don't get it and that's sometimes how i felt looking at the script for. i'm like <laughs> how am I supposed to do all this i but i mean i did it i gave it a yeah, few days and it was um, an it was a really fun job, experience dude. that yeah. might be the best
0: the scene, scene is stellar yeah. i was so happy with the scenes you, you both gave me
1: I it was a lot of fun to work on, but it was also like like, okay, this needs to sound like a boss battle and that means lots and lots of different layered sounds and but man, again, the voice actor for Link uh Brooks just he sold it. Like I if I use any of his grunts or any of his yells, it just it makes the scene sound incredible because he's so genuinely into what he's saying. yeah. Um, and so anytime I wanted to make any moment just feel a little more impactful, I would find a voice clip from him and just sync it up <laughs> with it. And it just, it always
2: worked.
0: <laughs> it, it was very fun writing that dialogue. But, um, yes. The dialogue's normally my favorite thing too. But of course, yeah. because it's a Zelda story, there has to be a lot of action.
1: And right.
2: also like every component of this audio drama feels like, you're living inside of a, a Zelda game, whether it's lighting torches right. to solve a puzzle or, you know, shooting or, or firing um, uh, <laughs> Octorok blasts back at them with a shield. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's all so authentic.
0: I'm glad yeah. you think so, because it was very hard um, having them explain what was happening in a way that was yeah. organic.
3: It,
2: yeah,
0: because it, it could very easily be now I'm doing this, now I'm doing that, yes. <laughs> And that would that would be very awkward.
2: Yeah, that
1: absolutely. I think it is once again the 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 lamp mechanic, if you will, which is basically Zelda's ability to communicate with Link and tell him what to do. That was really helpful because Zelda. It was in character for her, much like a character like Navi or someone from the games, to spell out specific instructions, like "You need to do this to the monster," mm-hmm. and it didn't sound stilted because that's exactly what a character like that and, would say. And Brooks sold in the
2: it game. by responding like, "Do do what? How?" Uh, <laughs> yes. And just getting panicked, and so it, <laughs> so he would bring the human element in, which is what the Brooks. player is thinking. Like I was playing Majora's yes. Mask a few. Uh, a few days ago, or maybe weeks ago at this point, I don't know how time works anymore. But um, <laughs> I, I was getting hints from uh, what's the fairy's name in that game? Uh, tattle, Tatton. tattle, and uh, yep. I was like, "What? what e- easy for you to say, tattle?" I'm getting pummeled. And I'm like, "Oh wait, I'm channeling Brooks right now."
3: <laughs> <laughs> what
2: am I, a gardener?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: He's a yeah. It was a. It was really fun. I think that boss fight, yeah, really came together in terms of finding ways to. Like it, it was a nice combination between the sound effects and the voice acting and the writing. To it's a lot of stuff happening all at once, but like you said, you don't want every single action to be explained because that would that would quickly sound really bad. And I think it, I think it struck a really nice balance by the end. So
0: I, I was yeah. happy to hear them maze by somebody else just because I had all these rich visuals in my head of what I thought was happening in the scenes. I could see all the places, and then hearing somebody else put it together. Um I closed my eyes and listened and, and new images came that weren't there before. Yeah. And yeah. that was a treat for me.
2: <laughs> I'm really glad you like how it turned out. Um Yeah, and you'll also uh for listeners, you will also hear Rebecca's editing work in this episode too cuz she she did the uh, final scene that we couldn't finish. So, um you'll hear all <laughs> of us fight. in episode 4.
0: Yeah. And uh, I was I was happy with how seamless it was actually. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I was worried that we'd be able to tell, but I, I played it to people and they had no idea who to what. so.
1: Very good. <laughs> yeah, it all fit together really well by the end. So yeah, everyone, definitely check out the four episodes that are out there so far. And so you said it's every other month that episodes are planned for?
0: I would like to start speeding it up. I don't know whether yeah. or not that will be possible. it depend on the people I work with, because they all yes. have their own lives, right? So.
1: <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very cool. So, on that on that pace, it should be done in about two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, believe me, I've taken way longer on projects that were way less ambitious. Oh my god. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I'm a very fast worker.
1: We're not. So. <laughs> what would you say is the hardest part about trying to turn a Zelda, it turned a different medium, basically turn a game into a screenplay.
0: The one thing I really kind of covered was uh, having characters describe what they see and have yep. that sound natural. There are a couple points yeah. where I think I, I was on that uncanny valley,
3: but mm-hmm. um,
0: I try really hard to either make the sound effects imply what's going on or um have it just work it into the script in a way that actually works for for example somebody might warn link you will encounter such and such a thing these are the qualities of the thing so it, mm. in in a way that would make sense where you would actually need to warn someone
2: yeah right you have a setup so you've already planted the seed for whatever creature you are about to encounter
0: yeah exactly And same thing with character descriptions um, oh, I've I've seen the man wandering around in a ready cowl, you know, yes, that, that kind of thing. Where where you yeah, because... would actually naturally need to describe the way they look.
2: Did you ever consider like having Zelda be a narrator and like have prose?
0: I have a the hurdy gurdy man. He's going to do a little bit more prose. Oh, later on. interesting. Oh, yeah, that's he, cool. He was the weird cheeky guy that appeared in part two. Yeah. So um, I'm not done with him, yet he'll appear here and there. And almost like a Happy Masked Man kind of character, sort of behind-the-curtain yes. type character.
1: Yes. So how do you work in terms of the classic creative process question? How much do you have planned up beforehand, and how much do you kind of free-write as you get to that part?
0: I have a, a lot of it planned. Um, it, it being in a Zelda game, it has to have really rigid arc. But... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, once I'm actually writing the script it, it, it's it's a skeleton is planned, but it, it, the flesh kind of comes naturally during yep. the process.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Sense.
2: For a second, I literally thought you meant you had a skeleton planned in the plot. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> well, I mean, it, I do. <laughs> Please, stalphos is the proper term. Yeah, yeah it's, it's
0: impolite to call them skeletons. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so part of I just realized that part of the uh, audacity of this project is that you have to say um, how different things in the Zelda world are pronounced.
0: Oh yeah, yeah that's that's the right. frustrating thing. I I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the Facebook group, but I have a video with a pronunciation guide, mm-hmm. so make sure oh. everyone does it consistently. But there's already been a problem with Upona and Epina. <laughs> yeah. uh, just yes, yes.
2: Wait, can we do a a a mini game? Can we have a mini game in this in this Zelda episode? Sure.
0: Oh, actually, that's coming in in the part. part really? Game. Wow, she, yeah. she's got everything. Oh my part. gosh!
2: Yeah. I hope it's not yeah, the I, mini right. game in Majora's Mask where you have to throw bombs into the baskets. That one's annoying.
0: No, that's stupid. Yeah. No. <laughs>
2: okay, okay. Thank
0: you. It's <laughs> <that's> wildly dangerous. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's going to be probably an archery, hitting
3: balloons Oh or something.
2: Okay. Cool. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, classic.
0: Yeah, I'll, ha- I'll have a clown character.
3: So. Mm. Mm.
2: Wow. He'll, he'll be
0: mostly improv.
2: Oh, <laughs> I like Racks <clowns. laughs> holy cow. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had opinions about them, but um, <clears throat> the minigame I wanted to do is I wanted to compare Zelda pronunciations real quick. Um, okay. So, okay. Rebecca, how do you pronounce Link's you know, childhood friend from Ocarina of Time with the green hair? Saria. Saria. I always said Saria when I was growing up.
0: And some people say Saria.
2: Yeah. And you know, it just was, depends,
0: well, uh, but there's uh, different languages that have that name. It's actually a real name. And oh, they're all yeah. different mm. pronunciations, that doesn't surprise so me that might have influenced... Yeah.
2: And are you an Epona or an Epona person?
0: I usually just go, like, Epona, like Almost like an I. Ipona. yeah. Like
2: Epona, I think or so, or like yeah, that's Epona. pretty close to... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Any other Stephen? Any other pronunciation um, questions? How do you pronounce Link? D- d- you link kinda do you go Deku kind of
2: guy? Deku, Deku, or Diku? Uh, Deku. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Deku's. Yeah. yeah. Deku. Uh, Deku's. I think those best. are one of the main ones. I'm satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Very cool. Well, it's I'll okay. make sure to play some peppy mini game music behind Thank you. Well, hang on. Hang on. How,
0: how do you pronounce the kingdom in which they live?
2: Harali? <laughs> I mean Hyrule? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with High Rule. <laughs>
0: How about Hitler?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: yeah. man, we could yeah, don't hire me as a voice actor. <laughs> I can butcher all of this. Okay. Yeah. Uh Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for chatting. This was a delight.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Stephen, for showing up. Thank you for inviting me. You guys are brothers. It's
0: like, thank you for showing up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you for being there, like you always are. Uh, <laughs>